You know, this week a stay-at-home stay issue order was issued in Ontario, and at the same time, churches were given the guidance that they can uh, open in in-person gatherings to a maximum of 15%. Yet, out of respect for the situation in Ontario, United, both as lead and then campus pastors, uh, we've made two decisions that we want to let you know right off the top before we dig in. Two decisions for the next two Sundays, and then we're going to reassess. First is that we're going to host only online services only for the next two Sundays. This is how we voluntarily uh, want to prayerfully respond to the COVID spike in, situation, in, in areas where we have campuses. Uh, secondly, uh, we are going to produce together, host, give, however you want to word that, but we, our single worship service will be produced primarily with staff only. And this is in an effort to keep as many volunteers home in all of our locations, as many volunteers home and safe, again, during this spike of cases that we see. And so together, here is what we know, and this is really what I want to lean into. Okay, so for two weeks, we're going to do this, then we're going to reassess, see where we're at, and, and maybe add on to it, or open up in person. We're going to prayerfully examine it together. But together, we know that there is plenty of disagreement around COVID, around vaccines, around government overreach. And in this season, perhaps there could even be disagreement on our decision to go online. Uh, we understand that absolutely. And so Life Center, our differing perspectives, whether it is on COVID or vaccines or government overreach or anything else that you wanted to include in that, our differing perspectives, they are important. Your opinion is important, but it's just not ultimate. Mine isn't, nor is yours. They're not essential. Yet how we treat one another, with, especially with those with whom we disagree, this is something that Jesus clearly addressed, and this is an area that all of us could use to be more like Jesus. In fact, the world in which we live is grading the church right now, and the letter grade that they would be giving us is an F. They are giving us an F in terms of how not do we have different opinions, but how do we love in the midst of different opinions? When we're getting a grade, we have to pay attention to it. And so again, our differing perspectives are important, but they're not the ultimate or most important thing. Jesus said, it is how we treat one another when we differ, that is what is ultimate. That is what is essential. That is what is more important, just whether you and I agree on something. And we can disagree and still walk in unity. In other words, if COVID or vaccines or government overreach and our conversations around these things, if they lead to division, it isn't these things. It is a lack of Christ-like character. It is that we have been deformed by the world in which we live or by our own engagement. But you and I, the solution is to be transformed to be more like Jesus. And that's what we want to live, lean into for the next season ahead. You know, just this week, from a place of humility, I had an opportunity to listen to someone who I disagreed with, with love, with charity in my heart. And I failed miserably. And I had to ask their forgiveness of it. And so I'm not, I'm not lecturing this morning. This is something that God, I think, is working in all of our hearts. And so again, for the next four weeks in our More Like Jesus series arc this whole year, uh, let's all lean in to look at how well we listen to others, in particular to those with whom we disagree. But let's start with how do we hear God's voice? So let me take a moment and pray as we dive in. I want to pray Psalm 122 verse 9 over us. Psalm 22, verse 9 says, For the sake of your house, of the Lord our God, 
I will seek your good. And so, Father, would you help us not seek what is good for me or just what is good for someone else? Would you help us seek ultimately what is good for your house, what is good for our Christian witness in the world in which we live? Father, I thank you that we are called to fight in different ways with prayer, with prophetic hearts, with worship, with tenderness and charity towards one another, even when we disagree. And so, Father, I admit that I fall short. Together we fall short. And so in these next four weeks, help us look more like you at the end of them than we do right now. Help us learn how to listen, starting with your voice. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, how Jesus listened and how he obeyed his father is a character trait in which all of us must grow. I have always loved the picture in Proverbs chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, you can turn or tap to Proverbs chapter 1. I'll meet you there in a second. But Proverbs chapter 1 uses the character of wisdom, capital W, wisdom. Not just I'm getting smarter. That's not what it's talking about. It is the person of wisdom. All right, so Proverbs chapter one, the person of wisdom, here's what it says, and I've always loved this text in terms of how wisdom speaks, where wisdom speaks, and then the tension that we find within it. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter one, verses 20 and 21. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. So wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. And so what I want you to notice on this Sunday in particular, as we lean into how do we hear God's voice, notice how and where wisdom cries out. Where does wisdom raise her voice? And where does wisdom speak? It says, in the noisy street, in the market, at the entrance of the city gates. In other words, here the proverb is saying that wisdom, capital W wisdom, reflecting the heart of God, how we are to live our lives, what it means to fear the Lord, what it means to trust what God defines as good and evil and come under that and surrender. That's all comprised under wisdom. Wisdom in Proverbs is like this middle-aged person with experience going, man, I'm not young and I've made that mistake. I may not be over there and know everything, but this is what I know. And so from that that place it says that wisdom speaks in common places for all to hear and that is critical hearing God's voice is not defined for this or, or or exclusive just to the spiritual elite it says that wisdom speaks in common places for all to hear read through the gospels and you're going to see a congruency where did Jesus speak he did not only speak in private he spoke in public places he spoke in synagogues he spoke in cities he spoke on hillsides he spoke anywhere and everywhere yes he spoke differently to the disciples than he did to the you know the crowds that gathered but he spoke often and in every which way he spoke in public places in markets entrance of the city gates and in synagogues again you see Jesus doing all of these things so what makes this proverb tricky and what makes oftentimes hearing God's voice tricky is this it is that wisdom is not often the only voice that is being spoken. Wisdom is just one of the voices. And so if you picture the, the scene in, just in your mind today, if you picture it, in the noisy street, there's a calamity of voices that are speaking, and there is wisdom, and wisdom is raising their voice, but their voice can blend with all the other voices. There is wisdom in the market. So you think about just the marketplace, the workplace, the day-to-day -day grind of life, and there's 
all the voices of buying and selling and catching up on neighbors and all of those things. And there's wisdom speaking, but it's not speaking alone. It is speaking in the midst of all these other voices. Same thing of entrance at the city gates. And here's what is true. This is what God is doing. God is constantly speaking, but he speaks in this still small voice. And really, oftentimes the challenge isn't that we can't hear God's voice. It's that we can't distinguish his voice from all the other voices that we're hearing. That's oftentimes the challenge in my heart and your life. And here's what is equally true, is you can get absolutely alone. You don't need to be in a marketplace for your life to be cluttered. You can be absolutely alone. And what you think and what you feel is so loud that you can't distinguish God's voice. You can't hear God's voice in the midst of it. Sometimes the desires, just what we want to do, are so loud in our lives that it's not that we don't know what God's word says, it's that our desire, our will, what we want is so much louder, so much more enticing. And it is always our spiritual enemy that amplifies that volume and seemingly God's voice gets lower and lower. So again, it isn't oftentimes that we can't hear God's voice, it's that we can't distinguish which is his voice and it's just caught in the midst of all of those things. What can this look like in real time? Well, last week was Easter and we shared during Easter. Well, here's a story. This is what it can look like in real time. It's, it's just Peter. Actually, it's all the disciples and Jesus. Last Supper. Here we are. Uh, Mark 14, 27 to 29. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away. Okay. Jesus said, Jesus, there's, there's 13 of them in a room. Jesus and his 12 disciples, 13 in a room. And Jesus says, clearly, you're all going to fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter said to Jesus right away, Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. Now, pride is one of the things that makes us most deaf to hearing God's voice. God opposes the pride, but he gives grace to the humble. And so here in this moment, you see it. Jesus just said, you're all going to fall away. And Peter simply stands up and looks around and says, not me, they, but not me. All right. Peter has no issue hearing what Jesus has said. It isn't as though he didn't hear Jesus. He knows specifically, he just disagrees. He doesn't want to hear it because in this moment, the volume of self is shouting louder than the voice of his Savior. The volume of who Peter believes he is is greater than his Savior defining who he is. We've shared that actually just during Easter and I want to just highlight it again. The voice of Jesus is always loving but it's not always affirming, not always the voice that we desire to hear, not always the way in which we want to walk, not always the choice that we want to make. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 to 6 says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines in love the one he loves. And he chastises every son whom he receives. So here Jesus is doing precisely this. And we know the story that Peter isn't who he thinks he is. And he is about to go out and he is who Jesus says he is. 
He's not who he believes that he is. And he's about to go out and betray and then be absolutely heartbroken. And yes, God is going to restore it and he's going to renew it. And I am so glad that we serve a God of second chances, that God is who he is, that God can renew and redeem. And all of that is extraordinary. But we see right here a moment again. It isn't that Peter can't hear God. He just can't receive it because the volume of his own voice. For some of you, your inside may be nice and quiet. But there are people around you who their voice of influence is greater than God's word. That you more want to please them than you do please God. And these are hard things in our lives to admit. But when this occurs, we are at a vulnerable place to put more weight on their word than on God's word. And that doesn't make you a bad Christian. That just makes you a broken one like me and a broken one perhaps like you. So again, it can be people in our lives or perhaps you're spending so much time on network news, so much time on social media that these voices are beginning to clutter how you hear. This is a challenge for all of us in an information age, all right? One of the things that helps me is understanding this. Because our world has become increasingly individualistic. Sometimes we wait for a personal word from God when he has already spoken a providential word over all of us. This is critical. God doesn't have to tell you specifically what to do when in his word he has already told all of humanity what we are to do. You're special, but you ain't that special. I'm special, just not that special. We grow when we stop looking for a personal word where there is already a providential word. God doesn't need to tell you personally to forgive. He has told us providentially to forgive. He has said it to all of us. God doesn't need you tell, to tell you personally to go and to be the church. He has said it to all of us. God doesn't need you to tell you personally to go make disciples. He has said to every one of us, there's one commission that he's given to us. Go into all the world and preach the good news. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of my Father. That's not just for pastors or again or those special people. That is for every single one of us. You don't need a personal word from God where there's a providential word from God. And so you don't have to make things so individualistic. You can trust that this is God leading humanity, including you and I, into the flourishing in terms of what life can really be. Jesus didn't turn at this Last Supper and say, Peter, you alone are going to fall. No, he turned and said, every single one of you are. It is a providential word over all the disciples in that moment. Peter's included in the you all are going to fall away. Same wrestle as Peter, though. We may not prefer what God is saying, but that doesn't mean that God is silent. And so how do we distinguish, then, God's voice from maybe our thoughts, our feelings, so our insides are so loud? And let me just pause here for a second, then I'm going to come back. One of the most important ways in which you and I, as followers of Jesus, learn to quiet the inside is having that time of devotion, that time of prayer, leaning into spiritual disciplines, leaning into accountability. And it's important to have a quiet time, you know, just you and I, you know, just you with the Lord, just alone. But, but here's what I want you to know is equally true. Nowhere in there does it say that that journey has to be entirely alone. 
which is why we do have something now called HeartStrong, where you can just go to heartstrong.life and we'd encourage you to sign up, especially if you look and you look back at the last week or the last month or the last three years and realize, I don't really read my Bible, I don't pray, I get up every day with maybe the same nervousness or anxiety or emotions or challenges, and I can't get to a place where this is calm on the inside. You don't have to figure that out alone. We can do it in community together starting tomorrow morning. You could sign up for HeartStrong today and we'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. We're going to wake in the dark and we're going to walk in the light. We can form accountability and we can do this one with another. We can do this together. It's to have spaces where you can get on the inside quiet, where you can begin to distinguish, okay, how do I get social media quiet or how do I get network news quiet? How do I get all of the craziness out here quiet? How do I do that? Well, part of it is by getting in here quiet so that you can not just hear God's voice, that you can distinguish it from all the other voices in life. They're not going to get quieter. All the voices in our lives are not just going to miraculously get quieter. You and, I have, you and I have to learn how to tune our ear. What did Jesus say again and again and again? Let those who have an ear to hear let them hear. What is he saying? Train yourself to hear what is vital, what is important, what leads to flourishing. Train yourself to hear my voice amidst all the other voices. So how do we distinguish God's voice from all the other information and influencing voices, which aren't all bad, but how do we distinguish God's voice? Well, in the Bible, I think James gives the clearest and most straightforward answer to this question. James chapter 4, verse 7 to 10, and then we're going to unpack it. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. We're taking a bit of a digression here. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. And then he says, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And so together, let's just look at four things, four ways in which you and I can begin to tune our hearts and tune our ears to be able to hear God's voice so that we can obey, we can walk in his ways. The very first thing that James says is that you and I are to submit to God. Everything else doesn't work. Most followers of Jesus resist darkness. Darkness, when I say darkness, I'm talking about both Satan or the enemy and then all demonic forces. Most followers of Jesus try to resist darkness first before submitting to God. And it never works. It's the wrong order and it will never quiet the world. It'll never quiet this world. It'll never work. The first thing we have to do is submit ourselves to God. To submit means to come under a different authority than your own. That's what it means. To submit means that you come under a different authority than your own. So in this case, James is saying, in order to distinguish God's voice, in order to hear his voice, you and I have to submit to God. We have to come under authority that is different than our own. So in other words, God's word and God's ways in the person of Jesus Christ, when we come under his authority, when we come under his covering, when he can love us and lead us and discipline us and kind of pull us, go not that way, let's go into this way. And when we go the wrong way, like a good shepherd, he picks us up on our shoulder, 
his shoulders, brings us home, and sets our feet back on the right narrow path. To submit ourselves to God, what it means is that my feelings and my thoughts are not ultimate. That God's word and God's ways are greater than my word and my ways. To submit is not this ethereal thing out there. It is this practical thing every day. So why do we read God's word? Why do we pray? Why do we are the church? Maybe, you know, when we're allowed and we gather in our homes and we join online when we're allowed or when it's safe, we gather in person. Why do we do all of these things? Part of it is, God, I am submitting to you. I am walking in your way. I am trusting that this narrow road leads to flourishing. Again, authority isn't ours. It is something that we steward. So you and I have this choice to come under God's authority. Charles Kraft said it this way. In the spiritual realm, submission means, or submission puts, one under the authority of the spirit being to whom we submit. So God is spirit. So when we submit to God, we are coming under God. We receive, therefore, whatever that being's character is dictates. That's powerful, which is why Satan, which is darkness, always equals captivity. But when we submit to God, it always leads to freedom. Submission is not you losing rights. Submission is actually you and I dying to flesh so that we can live to this in the spirit. We can live the way in which God has actually created and called us to live. You know, hell has an unholy trinity. Hell has an unholy trinity that is very active all the times, but it dials up in seasons, and we are in a dial-up season. The unholy trinity of comparison, competition, and tear-down criticism. That's the unholy trinity, and you see them everywhere today. How do you know darkness is fully present in this age? Those three things become very, very prevalent. What does Jesus use that is different? Jesus uses three different things. He uses conviction, completion. What do I mean by that? You and I are interdependent. We are the body of Christ. Every one of us is given a spiritual gift. Each of us have given a measure of faith. No superstars, no heroes. The hero is Jesus. We are the body of Christ. So we are to complete one another. We are to be workers together. We are to love one another and build one another up. So building one another up culture. That is this heart, how Jesus combats the way of darkness. The second thing. The second thing we are to do is to resist the devil. The enemy is both the father of lies and he disguises as an angel of light. But his primary language is deceit, which ultimately leads to spiritual death, separation from God. I want you just to think about your own heart and life and just begin to reflect on maybe what what words, whose voice are you listening to? The Holy Spirit speaks words of conviction, but darkness speaks words of condemnation. Very different. One leads to repentance and life, and the other leads to bondage and shame. Again, when I say darkness, I am referencing both the enemy, Satan, and all demonic. I'm just lumping it into darkness. The Holy Spirit speaks words of truth, but darkness speaks words of temptation. God never tempts us. The Holy Spirit speaks words of life. Not always the words that we want to hear, like Jesus saying, y'all are going to fall away. We don't want to hear that, but it was true. 
Just imagine what, the, what could have been different if they could have trusted, if Peter just could have trusted there. Now again, I'm so grateful that God redeems, but just imagine what could have been different. Holy Spirit speaks words of life, but darkness speaks words of lies. And oftentimes the words are half-truth or the lies are half-truth. They're not fully true. They aren't who you are in Christ. They may be what you did last night. And the enemy always wants to define us by the darkness in our lives. But we need to be defined by who we are in Christ, not just where we fall short. Not ignoring where we fall short. That's where we need conviction and truth. And Jesus brings us life. And lastly, the Holy Spirit speaks words of direction, but darkness speaks words of deception, which are also words of direction. Did you catch that? The Holy Spirit speaks words of direction. It's a narrow road. Walk this way. Darkness speaks words of deception, which are equally directive in our steps. Sometimes the most profound thing that you and I need to hear from God isn't something new. You don't need a new revelation, a new prophecy, a new, 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 new. You don't. What we actually need is something true repeated again and again and again and again. Why? Because we live in a world. We live being tempted. We live with our own hearts being wicked within us. Yes, redeemed, but also fallen. You and I waiting for God to fully, fully bring all things new. So we stand in the finished work of the cross, but the enemy is still free to do what he does. And darkness is still free. And we have free will to choose all of these things. And so again, it's not that we need to hear something new, new, new all the time, but we need something true repeated again. That's why devotions are important. That's why life groups are important. That's why Bible school classes are important. That's why church is important. That's why serving teams are important. That's why something like heart strong is so important. You may not feel that you're growing, but you are posturing yourself in a place to hear what is true again and again and again and again, because we don't live in a world that is neutral. We live in the midst of a world. I'm not talking about a culture war, but we live in the midst of a world that is actually designed to pull us away from the things of God. It's the way in which you and I live that sounds so good. But here's what's so beautiful. Whether we get this right or whether we get this terribly wrong, the next step is vital. Draw near to God. In prayer, in devotions, in personal worship alone, you're drawing near to God. In worship, in teaching, in being the church and coming to church when safe, we are serving together, we are actually drawing near to God. In confession, when we confess one to another, when we apologize one to another, when we listen to those with whom we disagree, but we listen with charity in our hearts towards them, not judging their motives, not belittling them, not putting them down. When we do that, we are drawing near to God. In evangelism, when we talk about God, when we share our story, when we tell the others the good news, when we let them know who Jesus is, when we love them more than we love feeling, you know, we love others more than we love ourselves. So we bridge that gap. I feel awkward. What if they reject me? We bridge that gap because we love them more. That is how you and I draw near to God. John chapter 15, verse 7 to 9, here's what Jesus said. If you abide in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so as God loves the Son, 
The Son says to us, so I have loved you. So abide in my love. So again, whether we get this terribly right on a day or whether we get this wonderfully right, I said, or terribly wrong, draw near to God. What I love saying is make your next step an obedient step. You are only ever one obedient step away from drawing near to God. Lastly, humble yourself before the Lord. Again, humility is very similar to submission. It is allowing God's word to be ultimate so it can have the final say. Humility is thinking of yourself less so you can give more space to think well of others. Personally, to help me root in all of this, I just have a simple saying that I repeat to myself over and over again. And it has helped me, it's just four words, heart up, head down. When I'm tempted to look out, hey, get my heart up and get my head down. Submitted under God, submit yourself to the Lord. Resist the devil, right? Humble yourself. Draw near to God. This is how we begin to distinguish his voice from all other voices. Next week, we want to continue this listening. How do we be more like Jesus by listening? We want to listen to God's word, though, when it comes to the uh, very vital topic of racial inequality. You know, to see every nation, every tribe, every kindred, and every tongue on earth, to experience on earth as it is in heaven. Life Center, we need the fullness of God, yes, but we also need the full diversity of the body of Christ. And so next Sunday, we are going to listen in to a very important, relevant topic in this day. God is moving and we have someone who's going to speak. I'm not going to share their name today, but we have someone who's going to speak who I absolutely believe has the heart of Jesus on this. And I believe it's going to be a blessing to every single one of us. So let's take a moment and let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, in this moment, we draw near to you. Father, would you speak to our hearts? Would you let our insides, our our thoughts, our emotions, get quiet. Father, would you teach us which voices do we allow into our lives that they may be good in certain ways, but maybe we give them too much weight and so that all, their weight is louder or stronger than your word. Who are those people? It's not their problem, but who are those ones, Lord? Father, what disciplines do we need to say yes to? What postures, what rhythms do we need to lead into and live into, God, so that we can better distinguish your voice? Lord, we recognize that it isn't that you aren't speaking. It isn't that your word is not providential. Father, it's that perhaps we don't hear it. And so teach us to hear it. Lord, perhaps we don't receive it because we don't like it. Lord, teach us to be humble and to submit and to trust. And Lord, where we have gone our own way, whether we've been lured away by the enemy, where we've been tempted, Father, Lord, I pray that we would draw near to you. And God, I thank you that your arm is never too short, that you're a loving shepherd who always brings us home. That Lord, your word says that as your sheep, we can hear your voice and the voice of another we won't follow. 
And so, Father, anchor us to you. Help us to listen first and foremost to you the way that Jesus listened to you. Grow us in the same heart and the same character. In your name we pray. Amen. Pastors Jeff and Ingrid, why don't you close our service today?